Welcome to Kingsway's weekly podcast. We hope this message blesses you. Verse 12 says, When Adam sinned, the entire world was affected. Sin entered human experience and death was the result. And so death followed this sin, casting its shadow over all humanity because all have sinned. And that's the picture that Paul is creating for us. He's helping us understand that sin, this um, seed of a sin that was in us had spread. A bit like yeast, you know, you put it into uh, baking a bread and it spreads everywhere. But the same thing, it had spread everywhere and the result of it was death. And death was over us all and it held us in, in total control, if you like. And the devil himself, the accuser of the brethren, uh, was here. And because now he had been given power of death, he had authority over us, over what was happening, and he was in charge. And while in, in all of that, what we'd call darkness, was occurring, the law came. And whilst the law was good for us, it actually couldn't make us righteous. All that it did was reveal our need for a saviour. Uh, our need for Jesus. And so that's the sort of setting where we, we are. I mean, you could go into a lot more detail, of course, couldn't you? But what I'm just trying to point out is that was the place, the position that we were in. Sin had occurred. Sin had infiltrated everything. Sin had caused uh, darkness and death to come. The enemy ruled uh, with such authority over us. And the law had come, and that was just revealing our need for a saviour. So the next slide. So I've called this a loving God's plan of restoration, which is Jesus. And this is where we're we're coming to. It was our loving God's plan to bring everything about. His plan was formed before the foundation of the world, it says in 1 Peter 1.20. So somehow or other, the wisdom of God knew exactly what he was going to do, exactly what was needed, right from the foundation of the world, he knew what was going to take place. So right from Genesis, we can see that blood sacrifice was always necessary. Leviticus 17.11 says, For the life of the flesh is in the blood. And I have given it to you upon the altar to make atonement for your souls. For it is the blood that makes atonement for the soul. So right from the very beginning, God is saying blood sacrifice is necessary. You can see it also. Remember when the Israelites were coming out of Egypt? The blood of the lamb put on the doorposts so that deliverance would come. It was a picture was going to take place. That the blood of the lamb, Jesus would be shed so that deliverance would take place. There's always those pictures all the way through uh, scripture. And if you think about it, and I've been thinking about it, love and sacrifice always go together. They're not separate. They're one in, they go together. If I ask any parent here, if you're just simply on simple things, if I ask any parent here, have you given up anything for your children? The answer will be yes. That's what's in our heart with love. We just give to our kids all the time. We give, I remember myself, um, when our kids were small, uh, I loved photography. I gave it up because 
you want to put everything into your kids. We couldn't afford to do my photography. That then you had to do, you know, developing the film, all that stuff. It was really costly. Um, and I couldn't do it. And so we gave that, I gave it up so that I could bless my children. That's just on one simple level. But we've all heard the stories about uh, women who are pregnant and they get cancer. And they have this awful dilemma given to them. If you have the cancer treatment, unfortunately, your baby will die. But if you don't take the cancer treatment, you might die. And we hear those stories where that mother will actually just go, I'm not taking the cancer treatment. I want my baby to live. And then you hear the sad story when she herself, at the end of giving birth, can no longer take, um, you know, the chemotherapy would be too late, and she dies. Why does she do that? She's not even seen her baby. It's just in love that we will give of ourselves. How much more, then, your Father, Jesus, Holy Spirit, who are love, who knows how to give to you? How much more will they do it for us? I, I mean, I hear, there's a few times in Isaiah where it says um, that God doesn't want our sacrifice. But it's always in the context, it seems to me, about uh, our contrite heart. He doesn't want to just have animals killed. He wanted a heart that was saying yes to him. A contrite heart that was looking at the reality of what was in us and why this was going on. But right from Abel, when Abel sacrificed, God said, well done. So it's a strange thing you have to live with, that animal sacrifice was a picture of something else that was going to take place. You see, Jesus came to undo and destroy the works of the devil. He came to fulfill the law completely, enable our healing, redeem us from the curse of the law, and become our ransom. And I believe in all of this, a decision is necessary in our hearts to say yes to him. To believe in what he has done, to believe in his um, blood sacrifice. Let's read this verse together. And I think it sums it up for us. So do you want to stand up? Right, Sharon gets us to do this a few times and I like it. So let's stand up and we'll read Romans 3 verses 25 and 26 together. Are you ready? Jesus' God-given destiny was to be the sacrifice to take away sins. And now he is our mercy seat because of his death on the cross. We come to him for mercy. For God has made a provision for us to be forgiven by faith in the sacred blood of Jesus. This is the perfect demonstration of God's justice. Because until now, he had been so patient, holding back his justice for the tolerance of us. The next slide continues on the next slide. It would have been too small for you to see. Okay? So he covered over the sins of those who lived prior to Jesus' sacrifice. And when the season of tolerance came to an end, there was only one possible way for God to give away his righteousness and still be true to both his justice and mercy. To offer up his son... So now, because we stand on the faithfulness of Jesus, God, 
declares us righteous in his eyes. You can sit down now. That's the passion. Okay? I think that is, it just sums it up for me. This whole thing about that he has come for us to be our sacrifice. And it is that sacred blood of Jesus which is the whole thing that's key for us. Romans 5 verse 9 says, For through the blood of Jesus we have heard the powerful declaration, You are now righteous in my sight. And because of the sacrifice of Jesus, you will never experience the wrath of God. We have that declaration spoken over us that we are righteous because of him. And we are freed from that wrath of God, the anger of God. And I personally see no contradiction between love and anger. Because I know as a parent that if anything was going to happen to my kids, anger would rise up in me. I know that's not a sin. Just anger in itself is not sinful, okay? And it causes, it's a thing that actually causes you to act, to do something, to protect. It comes up in you. And I'm, I'm quite conscious that God has an anger. And he's not angry at you per se, but he's angry at the thing that happened in you. Because in you came sin. And that's, you can't separate it from the sin and the sinner. It's all one. But his, his anger had an action. And his action was the blood of Jesus to bring you freedom. You see, I think if there'd been any other way, our father would have chosen it. He would have chosen a different way for us, for his son. But the blood of Jesus was the only substance powerful enough to bring about the greatest miracle ever. And that's what I'm going to try and put over to you today. That it, it is the blood of Jesus, the blood of God, that is enabling the whole thing to happen. On the next slide. You'll have to excuse me. I, got a, I started with a cold yesterday and I'm struggling with it. But uh, we'll get through. Okay, next slide. Yes, there we go. So this is all about the transformation because something happened that moved us out of darkness and into light. Something happened dramatically in us that changed us. So we're now going to start to look at that. Romans 6 verses 4 to 6 says, Sharing in his death by our baptism means that we were co-buried and entombed with him so that when the Father's glory raised Christ from the dead, we were also raised with him. We have been co-resurrected with him so that we could be empowered to express an entirely new life. For if we are permanently grafted into him to experience a death like his, then we are permanently grafted into him to experience a resurrection like his and the new life that it imparts. Could it be any clearer that our former identity is now and forever deprived of its power. For we were co-crucified with him to dismantle the stronghold of sin within us so that we could not continue to live one moment longer submitted to sin's power. Isn't that incredible? Incredible. So the, the work of God, we were co-buried with Jesus. At that point, when he is being buried, we are co-buried with him. Why? So that when he was resurrected, we too would be resurrected. Not into our old nature and the old man and the one that 
had this seed of sin within us, but into a brand new nature, his nature, that was full of light, no longer had that sin of, um, seed of sin within us, but we were free to become the new creations that he've created us to be. That's what I'm calling the greatest miracle. Think what happened. The arms of Jesus are outstretched. He embraces all of humanity from beginning to end with love. Not only love, but with the power to transform you, to bring you from darkness to light. And he says, just believe me. Just believe. Don't try and work it out in your head. Believe me. The day that I got saved, um, Roger Forster went. And he said, Jesus died for you. Come forward if you want to know him. And inside was the voice, it's for you, Alan. And I got up and went forward. I knew nothing about anything about the cross. I just believed him. Because that's all we're ever, ever asked to do is believe him and put our trust in the Savior who says, yes, I've done it. And as I put my trust in the Savior who's done it, so the miracle of change comes in my life. What was happening to all who believes, he makes them one with the Trinity. I mean, just in itself, that's stunning. He makes you one with the Trinity. June's going to be talking on that. The Trinity within you. And you within the Trinity, you are one. You cannot be separated from them. They, they look the same. Always. He redeems you from the curse of the law. The law in itself had a curse because you could never, ever keep to it. You could never win it. You could never achieve it. It was, you know, trying to pull yourself up with the bootstraps. You just couldn't make it happen. You might achieve all of these here, but you'll miss out on this one over here, and then that's the end of it. That curse, he, he removed it from you because he fulfilled the law completely. The law doesn't even come into it anymore. You are free from the writings that were written against you. In that law. You've been freed by it. He has ripped out of you the seed of sin. I'm using the word here, hematria, I think you pronounce it, which is that uh, the Greek word is that inward thing, or call it a seed, that creates evil actions. It's not the actions itself, okay? Our English language is poor. We know we have one language, one word for love, and the Greek had five. We have one word for sin, the Greek had two. You know, it's, it's a bit so awkward. So it's this seed thing that produces evil actions that he ripped out of you. Can you still sin? Yes, you can. You can have wrong thoughts. You, you know, somebody could, I don't know, do something wrong against you. And instead of forgiving your enemy, you would get, um, you know, that it would gnaw away at you and you'd want to do something bad to them. And you start having wrong thoughts. Who by? Well, yourself, but also by the enemy as well, coming in on that. And you end up sinning, doing an action. Now, we should have two separate words because this isn't coming from this inner seed thing. This is coming from a different word 
you know, we could call it Fred. You know, you don't sin, you're Fred. I don't have the language. I wish I did have the language to put something else there. Anyway, it's been ripped out of you. He ransoms you. Who's the ransom being paid to? I asked Timo this, and he said, oh, Alan, I've pondered this many times. Who's the ransom being paid to? He says, if you if push me, I think it's being paid to the devil, but I don't preach on it. So I think I'm just preaching on it. I think probably that's where the ransom went to, was the devil. He had authority over you. Somehow or other, some ransom was needed, and something happened there that's a mystery, but it's like... I gave my life to Jesus and I didn't have to know all of this to work it out, okay? He resurrects you into new eternal life. Just think of that miracle. Your life doesn't end, does it? It is going on in a wonderful relationship with a loving father that has cared for you and wants you and is committed to you forever. And you are in relationship with him forever in that wonderful place of love forever. It doesn't come to an end. He's done that for all of us who believe. He makes you a new creation. The old man was over here, full of this seed of sin, full of death, full of separation. It was over here. And in that action on the cross, his sacred blood shed for us, we end up being over here, resurrected with him into a brand new total life, new life. That's where you are now. Brand new creations, never seen before. You are stunning. As Tony keeps saying to us, we are spirit in a human shell, not the other way around. We are spirit people learning to live in a realm of the supernatural, which is our home. Learning to see what Ian was seeing earlier on in his testimonies, that the provision of God, that the one that had done everything for him, was enabling him to live in this life. He brings healing to us. Here, there was occasional healing. Here, we have within the atonement, healing so that Ian can give his testimonies of healing, so that Catherine, she was on the metro, can give her testimonies of healing, praying for people. We can see healing. I want to see more healing, more, 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 more. I want to see the miraculous happening over and over and over. If I read Acts, I tell you what I want to see. It's that description in early Acts where there was no, it says there's no sick among them. When they were brought into the presence and they were healed. I want that. Oh, gosh, I want that. Why do I want it? Because sickness is part of this thing over here, okay? And this is where we're living, life here in the newness. And um, he brings us peace. Shalom. Peace into your life. Oh, gosh, since this revelation of grace has come, I, I've been so happy. Ken said to me last week, Alan, you seem to have changed recently. You seem to have changed. I said, it's not recent, Ken. It's since this grace message. He said, well, it just seems recently you've changed. 
I said, Ken, it's just working out in me more and more and more. The revelation of what Jesus has done and how he has changed my life and how he loves me and how I am loved and how I'm no longer trying to please him, but I always please him. He is, I am his favorite. It just flows, it continues to flow, and it changes how I think, how I act, how I behave. To the point where I was telling people, you know, if you've grown up with me, you know that talking isn't easy. I like doing this. It's like I can, I'm in a bit of a control situation. Yeah, I can control you, see, because I'm talking. But put me in a group and have a little chat about nothing. It's like, no, oh, I've still got to learn how to do this. But I was in a restaurant uh, last week, and the waitress said to me, Alan, what are you doing for the rest of the day? And I said... I'm praying for people. <laughs> I didn't think I was, but I said to her, I'm praying for people. She said, in church? And I said, no, on the street. On the street? I said, shall I pray for you? Now, this is just not me. I know I talk about healing and the miraculous and whatever, but doing this is not, hasn't been me. And I'm trying to put myself out there a bit more. She said, and at that point, I said, uh, have you got anything wrong with you? She said, no. And then I tried to do a Sean Boltz thing. How about your mother? Because I thought that was like coming. How about your mother? And she said, no, she's perfectly well. Oh, all right. I said, um, but anyway, what would you like me to pray for? She said, oh, pray that I'll have a good day. I said, okay, Jesus, you have always loved the waitress. And you always will. Please help her have a good day. And she went, oh, I'm going to have a wonderful day all the time. So I'm, I'm on a journey. I'm on a journey. I'm trying to see where it takes me. Let me just go over those things of this greatest miracle because I kept interrupting. So think what's happening. To all who believe, he makes them one with the Trinity, redeems them from the curse of the law, rips the seed of sin out of them, ransoms them, for, ransoms them, resurrects them to eternal new life, makes them a new creation, heals them and brings peace. And there's another aspect as well to what Jesus did on the, on the cross on this greatest miracle. Colossians 2.15 Then Jesus made a public sceptical of all the powers, principalities of darkness, stripping away from them every weapon and all their authority and power to accuse us. And by the power of the cross, Jesus led them around as prisoners in possession of triumph. He was not their prisoner, they were his. Through the blood of Jesus and the cross, that authority and power that the enemy had has been taken away from him. And authority has been placed in your hands. And you have that wonderful opportunity to enforce the victory of Jesus wherever you go, within your life, within the people you encounter around you. You have that incredible opportunity to do it. Um, I've heard people start to say that they th possibly think there's no demons. And I just want to come uh, and tell you that there are. When you've had two, possibly three cast out of you, you know what you were like before. You know what happened when they were cast out of you. You know what you're like afterwards. You say, I say, I know that they're there. I am not scared of them. I do not make my life one of fighting them because I have authority to deal with them. And I have to say, there are demons. If you talk to um, 
what's um, Randy Clark or Bill Johnson, you read anything they're doing, or House Creswell in this country, they'll tell you in healing that often, a large proportion of the time, they're dealing with the demonic. And if you start to think that there aren't demons, then you can't deal with the issues associated with demons. You've got to know that they're there to be able to deal with them. If you start to not deal with them in that way, then you resort to some sort of psychological method of dealing with people. Now, I understand that uh, an argument might go, well, you see, we know now that epilepsy is a you know, chemical imbalance and that um, it's really, you deal it with medicine. So maybe what Jesus was doing there isn't, you know, maybe he's dealing in their language. But I would say, no, there are some conditions that are caused by demons and you have to deal with them by casting them out. And when you've prayed for people and you've seen fangs grow and you've seen hair ripple up and down and you've seen uh, contortions like snakes, you understand that there are. And you've got to tell them to go. And if you tell them to go, they go. In the name of Jesus, they do. So I'm not one that's going to say, well, there's not demonic. Because I think Colossians 2, 15 says, Jesus made the public skeptical of them. We've got to see what they are. And know the authority that is given. Also, for long enough, I thought that rejection was in the cross. Because surely, Alan, it's, Jesus said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Surely he said that. And the, 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 the thing that I believed was, see, God was so holy, he had to turn his back on, God, on Jesus. And that's why Jesus felt the rejection. Do you know, it never really helped the rejection that was in me, knowing that that was happening. But now we've come to know, and I'm so thankful the Australian preacher came, I can't remember his name, but he came and he showed us that when a Jewish person wanted to um, tell you or refer you to a psalm, then they would quote the first line in Psalm 22. And that's what Jesus was doing. He was making a declaration. The first line is, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? The last line is, it is finished. And he was declaring through all of that psalm that my father has a plan. It's a fantastic plan of love. It's, I've not been rejected by him. I've been, I am in love with my father and my father's in love with me. And it's coming about. It may look like at the moment that it's all in a mess, but it's not in a mess. A bit like um, Ian was saying, things can look confusing, but... It's not, because I know the person who is in charge, and I know the one who's got the purpose here, and I know what he's going to do. And at the end of that particular psalm, it's a declaration, prophetic declaration, of us, the new church. And that's why Jesus said it's finished, because it had been accomplished. All of the loving plan had been done. We were now brought into this place of being the new creation with God. So, it, 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 Father never rejected if you just think about it, um, Zach Church or Zacchaeus up in the tree, Jesus said, I'm coming to your house. Now, who was he? He was a, a sinner, tax collector, he'd stolen money, uh, etc. So, when Jesus walked into his house, who was 
affected by the sin. Well, it certainly wasn't Jesus. Jesus walked out the same. But Zach was changed totally. He became a new guy. And he gave away his money again. He, he just changed. God, he doesn't get affected by us at all. He is the one who is love and he cares for us. So Jesus has done everything on the cross. There's nothing left to try and work out. And knowing that, our behavior becomes one of trust. So when he asks us to be doing new things like Ian, Ian in confusing circumstances, he trusts in a father who loves him, who has cared for him and has a plan and a purpose in his life. He trusts in all of this. He trusts in the provision of the cross. He trusts everything, knowing the reality that he's a transformed new creation that God has created. He speaks his word to us, that rhema word that brings confidence to us and assurance in our lives. He brings a word to us that enables us to, it's like an anchor, and it enables us to do what it says in scripture, having done all, stand. When the things look a mess around you, having done all, you stand, and it becomes firm within you. And we, we read that scripture which says, all things work together for good for those who are in Christ Jesus. And we go, yes, it is. All things can work together for my good. My father works to my good all the time in my life. I know it, I know it, I know it. Because of what Jesus did on the cross. It all stems from there. That's why I can trust him, because of what he's done. Okay, the next slide. Our new creation, full of light. It's nice Andy said, don't try working up this light. You are full of it. You explode with light. The dance group were once told by a church, it's like watching a million watt light bulb. It's like there is something that comes out of you that is beyond, okay? New creation. Romans 8 verse 4 says, so now every righteous requirement of the law can be fulfilled through the anointed one living his life in us. And we are free to live, not according to the flesh, but by the dynamic power of the Spirit. Just listen to that. Every righteous requirement of the law has been fulfilled. It's through the anointed one living in us, through Jesus living in us. And we're free not lived according to this old nature, but to live by the power of the Spirit who is in us, the promise of the Father given to us, by his power in us, by his power enabling us to be the new creation, by his power in us, giving us words of knowledge and giving us wisdom in business, by his power within us, giving us wisdom in being parents with our children, by the power within us, enabling us to have um, friendships and love and care for the people around us by his power within us, enabling us to be those people that we are called to be. As Tony said the other week, we're spirit living in human flesh. As I get older that more and more and more, I start to see, yes, I can live like Tony was saying, you know, an empty can of paint, you know, can paint a door. And all those wonders i mean just to me it's like the holy spirit's giving us a, a, a drawing us in and saying come on 
come on, you can do more of this. You can live more in this reality. You can live in this place of the supernatural. Dave did a talk uh, on, uh, you know, on this very subject about living in the more of the supernatural in our lives. And he's just drawing us into it. Because of Jesus, we are a new creation. Full of light, empowered by the Spirit, in union with the Trinity. We are forever loved, blessed and favoured with a destiny to reveal the love of the Trinity to all of his creation. The love of the Trinity, it goes more than just getting people saved. That is a wonderful aspect, a wonderful miracle. It goes more than that. It's in with your business, the love of God in your business. I mean, I've, I worked as an engineer. The getting wisdom to know how to deal with an awkward contractor who wants to take millions off you. Getting insights, uh, revelation from him on how to um, present, I've got to talk about engineering, um, when they put a claim in that's like, you would just say yes and sign up and sign away millions of pounds. And getting that, that oh gosh, God, yes moment, and you no longer have to pay millions of pounds. It's getting that wisdom to know how to run your business, getting that wisdom to know how to walk your life with him, all from that love of God, the presence of the Spirit of God within you. And he has done everything necessary for you to be that person and for all humanity to know it. Jesus put his arms out wide and embraced us all that we might believe in him. And there's our job. Let's go tell people, share people that love, give it away, express it, live in the supernatural, live in the supernatural overflow of love, uh, see, you know, the, the work balls that Ian was talking about, oh, I'm coming up against the brick wall, no, my God can do this, and he can walk through the brick wall, you know, just believe the him that he's done it so that you can, and that's what he asks us to do, believe him. We're not talking here about this super faith and trying to work our faith up. We're talking about being children that believe in him and all that he's done. And believing that the spirit of God has been placed within you. And you're no longer an orphan. You're no longer separated. You're no longer away from him. You're part of the children of God. You're part of his nation. You're part of his family. You're part of the one that he, that he loves. And all flows from the cross so that you would live as this new creation. Do you want to just stand up and we'll pray? Jesus, it's difficult within so many words to express everything that you've done. But I am deeply, deeply... It's like I can't get into words, but I so thank you for everything. I thank you for all that you did and all that it means for us. And I pray that, uh, Holy Spirit, you just increase our revelation of it and increase the joy of living in the truth of this now. That we are your children and we're living in the reality of all that your wonderful blood has done for us, that we would be free in your name, Jesus. Amen. We hope this message blessed you. If you're hungry for the more of God, if you want to be equipped to live the normal Christian life 24-7, see miracles, 
walk in healthy relationships, and discover Christ in you, then why don't you head over to www.idestiny.org.uk. iDestiny is Kingsway's five-month full-time ministry and discipleship school, starting both in March and September every year. For more information on Kingsway Church, please visit www.kwcm.org. And for more information about iDestiny, please visit www.idestiny.org.uk. Have a great day.